0: Hello and welcome
1: to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. Now, we don't only bring you business leaders from all over the world, but we also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what the series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transitions and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and also business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we are on every major podcast podcast platform. Now I invite you to connect with me. Please send me your thoughts and insights to Borders at gmail.com or connect with me on my website leadershipbeyondborders.net So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. And now on to today's show. I mean, ultimately, most of us have a professional or private ambition, and most of us have kind of a path, a strategy, or a plan on how we're going to reach those ambitions. And as we go through our journey, our, both our professional and personal journey in life, sometimes we meet people. It may be a mentor, it may be a friend, or maybe just somebody you're sitting next to at a bar and they say something that triggers something in us and it maybe makes us shift our thoughts or shift our direction. And today we're going to talk about professional and Personal journeys and the influence people and events have on those journeys. And we're going to talk about a brand new book that just came out called Curve Benders. And our guest today is David Knorr. And David is a senior leadership. Board advisor, educator, executive coach, and best selling author. David is internationally recognized as the leading expert on the applications of strategic relationships in prof and profitable growth, sustained innovation, and change. He is the author of 11 books, including bestsellers such as Relationship Economics and Co Create as well as the one we're going to talk about today, the newly released Curvebenders. David serves as a trusted advisor to global clients and coaches and and corporations all over the world. He is an adjunct professor at the Goizvita Business School at Emory University and was named to the Global Girls' Top 30 Leadership Professionals and also to Thinker's 50 Radar Class list of 2021. He's a Forbes Leadership Contributor um, on the future of work and a contributor on relationship economics. Now, David was born in Iran and immigrated to the U.S. as a teenager with only $100 in his pocket and limited family ties and no fluency in English. And now, as a, a recognized advisor, he is well known across the world. He graduated from Georgia State University with a bachelor's degree in business management, went on to earn an executive MBA at Emory University, and he resides in Atlanta where he's joining us today. David, welcome to the show.
2: Kimberly, it's good to be with you.
1: Okay. So David, um Curve Benders. Let's you know, how where did this idea
2: come from and what is it? So uh the idea came from a, a really interesting conversation that I had with somebody about what will the future of work look like for me, for the rest of us. And as you, as you know, and, and you were kind enough to mention my background, I've spent the last 20 years really being a student of business relationships. And I was really curious of what role do relationships play in not just Kimberly helping us deliver short-term performance execution or results, but really long-term, really that, that indelible imprint on not just what we accomplish, but who we become. And the two examples I love to use is think of that old college professor that you know, lit a fire in you and in many ways, not just got you excited about that, that, that one class, but really set the journey in your academic career. Or that early manager that took you under his or her wings and taught you more than just the product or the service or the market, really taught you how to be a compassionate leader, a a, a servant leader. And 10, 20 plus years later, we still remember those people. So in essence, curve benders are some of your most valuable and impactful relationships over your lifetime.
1: Oh wow! Okay, and 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 when you think back, and I think all of our listeners will think back and say, yes, I do that. Um, I mean, I remember a third grade teacher that had an impact. Okay, you know, and then when we get to our professional lives, we have mentors and everything. so, it, David, on this journey, and let's just talk about the journey, because you're talking about these people who have impact on the journey. Um, you talk in your book about linear journeys versus S-curve journeys. What, what do you mean by that?
2: Sure. So, uh, as you were kind enough to read the book, and, and I started with really thinking through this pandemic and, Kimberly, how it's impacted not just the way we work, but also the way we live. And the way we play and the way we give to others. And I thought about the only way to remain relevant in the face of continued disruption is to learn and grow. But if you think about how we may have learned for many of us to date, it looks like a a truck ramp, right? That 45 degree linear (laughs) right curve is and, and the best way to think of it is your undergraduate degree right? You learn, you learn, you learn, you learn. Maybe at some point in the future, you'll reference it. Like, I don't know when was the last time you or your audience looked at differential calculus, right? It's, <laughs> it's, been, a, it's been a while for me. <laughs> it's <been a> while. <laughs> well, adult learning, and more importantly, in a very dynamic world that we live in, that kind of learning is useful, but not as practical, not as immediately relevant. So what I call nonlinear growth instead of a truck ramp, looks like a hockey stick. And it's really, it's it's these micro learnings, it's these sound bites, it's these smaller, I don't need a four-year degree from MIT, I'm just interested in coding. So can I learn coding sufficiently enough to solve an immediate challenge or an opportunity? And if I do that, then I start to daisy chain these smaller bite-sized learnings together and that's where my nonlinear growth will come from that. Will just keep me more relevant. Mm-hmm. And and David, when you
1: think about systems, and I'm talking more more on on learning systems, educational, we're kind of conditioned to this linear. So how do we how do we get out of that?
2: You're exactly right. So I think there's a personal obligation. And and I think there's an obligation on behalf of our organizations. So personally, you have to become the CEO of your own learning and growth. You have to take a more proactive charge of not just where I am today, what am I doing, what's working for me. But Kimberly, in the book you read, I talk about your journey from now to next. So if you become a little more clear on where I am today versus where I want to get to, and then what skills, what knowledge, what behaviors do I need to learn, ascertain, grow, develop? Then start developing a path for, okay, I want to be a vice president in a couple of years. Or you know what? I want to become, you know, I want to own a, a profit and loss, you know, function. Great. Set out a path for what it would take for you to succeed in that role. So that's you, on you. To really develop your own learning and growth journey, number one. Number two, for our learning and development organizations in a lot of companies, the traditional approach has been, let me duct tape you to a chair and hold you hostage in a room right? and shove a whole lot of really interesting content in your head, none of which you're going to remember in 30 days. (laughs) And there has to be a better way. There has to be a more relevant way. To Not one size fits all because it's scalable and that's just the way we've always done it, but how do we create much more modular, much more interchangeable, much more personalized, if not customized, learning and growth journey for each individual that happens to be our employee?
1: Mm-hmm. That makes sense, and and in this learning in this learning growth journey, you talk in your book about um, transactions versus transitions. What what do you mean by that?
2: Sure, another thing, just like the learning you you brought up, we've gotten very good at transactions, right? So I sell something, I deliver a project, I deliver initiative, and and I get compensated for that. That's a very highly transactional world we live in. What I said is that stuff is important, but in many ways, it's a can of beans, right? Most of us don't think twice about a price of a can of beans. It's just something I need and I go, I may have a preference on the brand, but I go grab it and I kind of, it's a non, I don't spend a lot of calories thinking about what kind of can of beans I'm going to buy. Transactions in our life comes and goes. It's those real opportunities for transformation that we believe are more important so we spend more time effort resources on and those are the ones that relationships can can really impact so mm-hmm. we want help and most of our relationships want to help us kimberly they don't know how to help us so i'm a huge believer of put a one pager together one pager that at the top has a brief synopsis of you your brand your what what is it that you do exceptionally well In the middle, put what kind of opportunities are you looking for? What does that now to next journey looks like? What intrigues you? What are you excited about? What lights a fire within you to make you want to go after it? And then at the bottom, list some specific companies, initiatives, things that you, you, you want to go pursue. And if you arm your relationships with that one pager, it's a very tactical thing that you can do. But if you think about it, it can help transform your journey because that individual that sees it gets what your brand stands for, gets what you're after, gets what you're trying to do. Much more importantly, has now a roadmap on how they can help you and help you accomplish the things you're after.
1: Mhm. You know when you when you said that I just thought of something which makes a lot of sense because a lot of professionals don't put together that one page or but in the teaching profession most most university teachers always have to which is which is an interesting concept to you know to maybe learn something from you know, uh, the the teaching industry to the professional industry because I think the one pager that's a that's a really powerful tool that could I, be.
2: You're exactly right, and it's it's not a resume. It's not a traditional bio yeah. where it tells me all the stuff you've been and you've done. And again, arm me with the ammunition to intelligently talk about you, intelligently, you know, become an advocate of your skills and your knowledge and the things you're after, and let me. Again, in the in the words of the, the famed philosopher Jerry Maguire, "Help me, help you," right? By yeah. giving me that resource.
1: Yeah, yeah. great. And um, we're we're gonna take a short uh, break, um, David. And when we come back, what, what I'd like to what I'd like to do is, is talk a little bit more about this this journey, and and you talk about kind of the the refraction points on the journey and and work life blending. When we come back. So, for our listeners, we are talking to David Knorr, and he is a leadership advisor, educator, executive coach, and best selling author. And David is internationally recognized as a leading expert on the applications of strategic relationships in profitable growth, sustained innovation, and change. And he is also the author of eleven books, and we're talking about the most recent book, which is called Curve Benders, and it is available on Amazon. Now, if you'd like to learn more about David, you can go to his website on www.norgroup.com. David is on LinkedIn under David Nor. He's under Twitter under David Nor. Um, he also has some things on YouTube. You can search him, David Nor on YouTube and on Instagram. And the NoR group is also on Facebook. So please look him up and please look for curve benders. On Amazon, and this podcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is a nonprofit organization in Europe supporting small and local businesses and helping them transition to digital. If you'd like to learn more about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org, and Cinda is going to be holding its first live conference in Berlin in October, so you can learn more about that on www. WCinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back.
0: Tune in each week for The Labenthal Report with hosts Dominic Tavella and Michael Hartzman. The Labenthal Report keeps you in tune with market conditions, investment opportunities, and outlooks based on the stories and headlines to keep you in touch with your financial success. Are you picking the right financial path? Find out by listening to The Labenthal Report, live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
3: Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back. With best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business.
0: Are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to Leadership at gmail.com. Again, that's Leadership at Gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's Business Channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we are talking about a new book that just came on the market. And we're talking with David Knorr. And David Knorr is a senior leadership advisor, educator, executive coach, best selling author, and is internationally recognized as a leading expert on applications of strategic relationships. And the new book we're talking about is called Curve Benders, available on Amazon. And, um, fascinating book. I did have the opportunity to read it and, uh, David, we were talking before the break about growth paths, you know, and the, and the difference when, you know, we're kind of conditioned on this linear path and now we have to be more flexible. We saw that in the pandemic, you know, our, all of our paths got blown out of the water in the pandemic. Okay. Um, And you're talking about this new kind of S-Path, and you're talking about refraction points um, along your personal and professional growth. What what is that? And could you explain that to us?
2: Sure. So, uh, Kimberly, for years, organizations have been using this literally looks like an S-curve to really analyze their product portfolio, their service portfolio, their growth options, if you will. And for your audience... Uh, you know, I, I, I'm shameful about borrowing a good idea from one part of my life and world into another one. So it's made me think about if I'm doing this with organizations, why wouldn't that S-curve idea work equally well with individual growth, right? Personal and professional growth. So very quickly for your audience, if you draw an S, right? So on the left-hand side, the beginning of it actually starts with a dip, And that dip is the first phase that I call invest. And you have, there's five unique phases. So you wanna invest in your personal and professional growth. It's an investment of time. It's an investment of capabilities. It's an investment of capital. It's me going back and getting an MBA or me investing in a learning and growth opportunity on my own. But you have to be willing to be bad at something because none of us are born with any of this. If you're willing to do that, you may take a step back, but then you really, it kind of leads you to now that the base of that S coming up, and that's phase two, which is you hit your stride. And as you hit your stride, you're executing, you're implementing, you're applying ideas. You also fail. But I don't call it failing. I call it learning moments, because if you learn from those and immediately apply it again in your personal and professional growth, you'll start to now hit that upper side of the S, which is your Excel. And you're, you're, that's your, at your utmost competency. You are Kimberly killing it. You're rocking it. Whatever you're doing, you're doing great at that upper end of the S. And mm-hmm. that's where the yellow flag should come up because that's <laughs> also where we tend to get very complacent and we start to wing it. And we start to just show up to meetings without the preparation we used to do. And we used to just kind of try to do the best we can last minute. And that's when a two by four piece of wood comes at us with a rusted nail in it, right? (laughs) Because we've lost lost that kind of heightened attention. At the very top of the S-curve is phase four, which is plateau. And it's that flat line. It's that upper end. And candidly, it's when you're bored. You know it, I know it, everybody around us knows it. And if you don't do something about what you're doing, and by the way, for your audience, the arc we found in our research, the arc of any job, any role, any responsibility is about three to five years. So within three to five years, you've figured out where the coffee is. You've figured out how to do this job, right? So if you don't jolt some excitement into what you're doing, you're going to regrettably fall into the fifth phase, which is decline. It shows up in your work, you're bored, you're hitting that snooze button way too many times in the morning, you're just not excited about what you're doing. And the goal is, and the reason I brought this into the book and into into the into this concept is if you can start to anticipate where and when that plateau will be, you'll focus it on something I'll call a refraction point. And I'm gonna take you and your audience back to one of your first physics classes. If you remember shining a light through the cup of glass of water or that prism, what you saw it do is the light bends and it creates a rainbow. Well, the same idea. At that plateau, when you're bored, relationships can come into your life and not only accelerate your path through that boredom, but then give you options options and what you could be thinking about and doing next. And that's exactly what you want to do is you want to think about what's my next S curve? What's my next personal and professional growth journey? Does that make sense? Does that resonate?
1: Yeah, that, that makes a really lot of sense and I really like how you 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 know people do know the S curve from business or marketing and, and putting it into a personal perspective is is really quite brilliant it's it's really interesting and it does resonate okay because we've all had those you know things where you get bored or you know all of a sudden you're not preparing as much and um you might get a hit on the head so it resonates quite a bit and david when when you're doing this and and I'm thinking about the the organizations okay the organizations of future okay um, how do you blend this with your personal journey with what organizations are doing? Because, you know, organizations have their own way of handling personnel and, and you know, handling development. Um, how can you, you – you talk about work-life blending. How can you do that?
2: Sure. So, uh, for years, i got to tell you, I've, I've believed that work-life balance is a fallacy. By that I mean, Kimberly. I don't know about you. While I'm doing email, I'm thinking, I wish I was on a vacation. <laughs> while I'm on vacation, I'm thinking, man, the email is getting piled up, right? So exactly, constant friction between our professional obligations and our personal aspirations. So I'm a big believer that we're all products of the advice we take. And a mentor drove into me years ago that we don't have a work life and a personal life. You have one life. And the sooner you can integrate the two, the happier you're going to be, the less conflicted you're going to be. So I want to give you and your audience a perfect example. So uh, I'm blessed. I I work with a lot of great clients. And this is about a month ago. I, I flew out on a Monday to I live in Atlanta, which for your audience is the southern U.S., um, I flew out to to Denver, Colorado. I went out to a, a ranch in Colorado, and I facilitated a, a, a leadership program. and And that was Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, my wife and kids flew in. I went to the airport, picked them up. I had a keynote at a conference on that Thursday. That Friday and Saturday, we went and looked at the area universities out there for my son. And we flew back home together on Sunday. So that's an example of dad had to work for a little while. Kids understand that. They kind of find ways to keep themselves busy. By the same token, I integrate my work life with my personal life. And, and you create this blend. By the way, the, the client was really nice to put me in a really nice hotel room. So I wasn't there by myself. I got to enjoy it with my family. These are universities that we wanted to go visit for my son because he's looking at universities out there and it was just a really nice integration again of your work with your life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And David when, when you're talking about that so that's that's our that, that was a really great example on this work-life blend and and I do agree with you we have one life and, and work-life balance is kind of kind of a, a silly thing word to 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 say a silly concept. Um, but you know we have companies, okay? and organizations have their visions of of us as employees or us as as you know executives or contributors. Um, how do you how, what's going on with corporations today? Sure. and you know, and um, how do you align that with your own personal?
2: Yeah, Kimberly, you, you, you touch up on something that's really brought come front and center during this pandemic, which is misaligned personal and corporate values. So one of the things we figured out during this pandemic is what's really important to me. And again, for your audience, I, you know, pre-pandemic, I was on the road 208 days Right. And I just resorted to the fact that some people got in a car to go to work and I would get in a plane to go to work. In all candor, I have no interest in going back to that grind. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of people would commute, right, would commute 90 minutes to three hours a day to do what? Go sit in a cube or an office. Yeah. No, thanks. (laughs) We figured out that, you know, the last 15 months, 16 months, I've been really productive working from home. So if you're going to drag me into an office, it needs to be for a good reason. Real collaboration, complex decision making, complex problem solving, all of those things, absolutely, much more impactful in person. But how much of our day really is that? Right? So I think, again, incumbent on both employees to recalibrate what are your values? What are the things that are really important to you? 'Cause I'd rather I like my bed. I like my wife. I like my kids. I like my dogs, right? <laughs> I'd rather spend time with them. <laughs> yeah. Aggravated sitting in bumper to bumper traffic. I don't want to do that. So then if you're clear on your values, clear on the things that are important to you, I think it's incumbent upon you to ask. And by the way, I'm not advocating that people and I actually wrote an article about this of mass resignation, right? I'd rather deal with the devil I know versus the devil I don't know. So can I, can I transform where I work and how I work to really focus, and this is the opportunity for companies, focus on the outcome of my work, the value that I create from my work, not the output. Mm-hmm. An, output and- an output is a project. An output is an initiative. An output is a, an report. It's a means to an end. So what if we focused on that outcome and the value of that outcome, and we dispense with all this busy work that we've got going on that candidly adds little to no value.
1: Mm-hmm. And did, do you think do you think corporations after the pandemic um um have changed their focus on the contribution of the individual more? Um, or do you think that's something that still is shifting right now and, and, and many are just beginning to recognize that?
2: Great question. I actually don't believe corporations change. I believe individual leaders do. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to have, Kimberly, you're going to have, I, you know, I believe, really two types of leaders, right? One that are going to embrace and, and, and really understand that work as we know it through this pandemic has evolved. And the expectations between employees and employers must evolve. And then there's some that are just going to continue to hold on to what I call dinosaur leadership. Right? Pre-pandemic, we equated you showing up with productivity. Well, guess what? Through this grand experiment, we send 100 million people home to work from home. And surprisingly, it's actually worked pretty well. Mm -hmm. And productivity was up. And so... If you showing up can no longer be my measure of your productivity, I've got to find another way to really ascertain the value that you bring to what we do and how we do it. So I'm working with a lot of great leaders right now around this idea of micro enterprises and ecosystems and small team P&Ls. And the premise is if we interview adults, if we measure them as adults, if we compensate them adults and ask for adulting behavior, you'd be surprised of how many people will actually get out of the babysitting business. And I don't believe leadership should be about babysitting. It should Mm -hmm. be about get crystal clear on expectations and the outcomes you're after. Let people who genuinely want to be there genuinely want to contribute Contribute to those outcomes in the manner in which they believe is most relevant. Now, if the outcomes don't come, then we're going to have to have a, a very different conversation. But start measuring people on their outcomes, not just their outputs.
1: Mm-hmm. And and David, on this, this is this is really great, and I hope we have a lot of corporate leaders listening today. Um, in your ex- in your experience, uh, you know from. From the number of companies who are making this transition, do you think the majority see this or do you think it's a small part, 10% see it or 50%? You know, do you think uh, how much, uh, how, and in what direction and how many people are going in this direction?
2: How many corporations? I'm going to reiterate something I said earlier. Kimberly, I don't, I don't believe uh, I have a relationship with a logo. None of, none of us have a relationship with a logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and people have asked me, is there a common thread between your most successful clients? And I've, you know, whether it's, they're thinking it might be size or revenue or geography, there's a single thread. And it's visionary leadership. Mm-hmm. It's leaders who understand that defending the status quo mm-hmm. over the past 15 months will no longer suffice. Yeah. And it's, and regrettably, unfortunately, it's still a small percentage that really Mm -hmm. understand we're going to have to think and lead differently. What I'm excited about, what I'm incredibly bullish about is that small percentage is growing.
1: Yeah. Okay. Good. So David, we're going to take a short break and I want to touch, come back to this when we get off on the, on what the, what the, what a future leader will look like and, and what the future organization and, and how do how does an employee, an executive, put, you know, align themselves with this? And for our, for our listeners, we're talking to David Nor, and he is the author of Curve Benders, available on Amazon. A great read. Please get it on Amazon. And if you'd like to reach out to him, you can reach out to him on www.norgroup.com and on David Nor on LinkedIn, a Twitter. Uh, instagram and the nor group on facebook and also there's some information on youtube if you'd like to look for him on youtube and this broadcast is also brought to you by cinda a nonprofit organization in europe and for more information on cinda go to www.cinda.org and with that we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back
3: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors,
2: and wherever you need them to be.
0: Listen anywhere.
2: Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
3: It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune into The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Ready to hear from investors and get insight on different asset classes? Join host Troy Eckert for the program, Talk with the Texan, Money and Life. Troy works with high net worth investors and is ready to bring you the secrets he's learned in his 35 years of alternative investment experience, along with his guest experts. If you want value, you'll need to listen in live every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern time and 2 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at Voice America TRN or twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN. Are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to Leadership at gmail.com. Again, that's Leadership at Gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to
1: Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and today we are talking with Author David Noor, and he is the author of Curve Benders, um, fresh off the press, a great book available on Amazon, and he also has eleven other books on Amazon. So relationship economics, and co-create. So please look for David Noor on Amazon. And David, we've been having a fascinating discussion on on you know the changing environment of of work and the future work, and I want to. You talked about some of the qualities or attributes of leaders. And I'd like to come back. What do you think the leader of... First, let me ask you what you think the organization of the future will look like.
2: So in thinking about... uh, uh, Kimberly, this is year 19 of my practice. And as I said, I'm I'm blessed to work with a lot of mature companies and mature industries. And if you think about a lot of these organizations... There is a fundamental core business that they do exceptionally well, right? For you and your audience, let's just take a, uh, an example of an airline, right? So if you take any of the major airlines, they they figured out planes, they figured out, uh, you know, logistics and moving people from point A to point B, right? That's their core business. It's a known business model. It's predicated by really steadfast leadership, Nobody, including the street, likes surprises. So the the mantra there is just don't rock the boat, right? Let's go Mm -hmm. after operational efficiency, effectiveness. Let's just kind of make sure that business runs and it runs really smoothly. And in that scenario, and and again, I want to give you and your audience an example, Hilton, Marriott, Intercontinental, all of these companies have been previous client of mine. And Kimberly, none of them saw Airbnb coming <laughs> Yeah, because they all tend to think about their competitors, right? Competitors they know. And my supposition and what I wrote about in Curvebenders is beyond competitors you know, I would submit the biggest threat to every mature business is, number one, competitors you don't know. Mm-hmm. Number two is new and innovative business models. When we talk Mm -hmm. about innovation, a lot of people think about innovative products or innovative services. So, you know, an airline comes up with a new seating arrangement or an airline comes up with, well, you know, we don't charge for checked baggage. And that's great. I don't want to take anything away from that. But that is truly incrementalism, which is Mm -hmm. how do we do the same thing better? Real innovation is how do we do new things? Disruption is how do we do new things that makes the old obsolete? So I believe the organization of the future needs to find, needs to create a separate, what I call sandbox engine. And I wrote about this extensively in the book to test. Kimberly, none of us have a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. I, if I did, I'd be on the next plane to, to Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> none of us have a crystal ball. I, none of us can pick the winners. What we can do is what a venture capital or private equity firm does, is which is we're going to go bet on 10 business model ideas, knowing that eight will go nowhere. But the two that hit are going to be the future of our business. So circling mm-hmm. full circle back to your Back to my earliest example of an airline. Who knows better than an airline how to pull off an air taxi business model? Yet most airlines don't. and airline leaders don't think that way. They don't think, how could we start a separate business unit under the radar, low risk, low profile, low visibility, and let's go test a business model that could disrupt our current airline business. Yep. My, my supposition is if you don't do it, somebody else is going to. Mm-hmm. So yeah. either you're going to watch that disruption happen to you, you're going to lead it, or you're going to ask what happened.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, great examples and great examples of Airbnb. Um, and... and, and and this innovation for the future, I think, I think that really hits the nail on the head. We saw so much innovation that the pandemic pushed, okay, and then we ha- saw some dinosaurs, you know, struggling. In, and during the last eighteen months, uh, um, and David, that comes back, to, you know, all this also has to do with leadership. So, what do you think the leader of the future needs to be? What kind of attributes does does he or she have to have?
2: Let me answer that question by this uh, uh, example. Uh, Kimberly, I recently saw an artificial intelligence machine learning engine that scanned 10,000 sheets of a a document in eight seconds. If your value add as a leader is reviewing documents, I'm saying this respectfully, Mm -hmm. and at the risk of never being invited back on your show, (laughs) your leadership runway is going to be very limited.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So we researched and I think you and I will, you know, hopefully get a chance to talk about this. We researched 15 forces that we believe are going to continue to disrupt the way we work, the way we live, the way we play, the way we give to others. For leaders to remain relevant, they need to embrace one of the biggest disruptors, which is technology. Mm-hmm. And If you think about it today as human beings. Right. Technology augments what we do, right? You and I use Excel spreadsheets or Google Sheets, or we use a lot of tools to augment what we do. Every ounce of our research points to in the next decade, that shift is going to be profound in that humans are going to augment what the technology does. Mm -hmm. So if a technology can do a lot of the heavy lifting for me, if a technology can do a lot of that mundane tasks for me, my biggest value add as a leader is not the mundane tasks. It's the things that the technology can't do yet. Creativity, yeah. collaboration. I cringe when I say this, but Kimberly, a lot of those soft skills that you yeah. and I both know, A, they're not that soft. B, they're not that easy. So when I say empathetic leader, when I say compassionate leader, when I say a servant leader, last time I checked, I can't find any technology that delivers those things.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So the leader of the future needs to embrace much more proactively this accelerated shift, accelerated change in technology. Yeah. Two, yeah. really look for opportunities where technology can do the heavy lifting and your leadership can augment that technology. Three, wow. what I coach every executive, every leader to fundamentally focus on. That corner office has two jobs and two jobs only. Brand and culture. How do we build an exceptional brand that our organization stands for, believes in, delivers on a daily basis? And how do we build an exceptional culture that activates that brand, that brings that brand equity to life, that delivers that brand at the edge of where our customers need it most? So I believe that combination will make future leaders that much more competent, that much more valuable to the value agenda of their organizations.
1: Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense, David. And. And just a a quick comment on the the disruption for our listeners that um, David and I will be talking again next week, and we're going to talk about these 15 forces or disruptions that are impacting the future of work. So please tune in again next week for that. Um, but as we're getting towards the end of today, David, I want to bring it back to the individual, okay I want to bring it back to maybe a aspiring executive, um, an employee who who's you know trying to you know build their own career path. Um, in this in this disruptive situation we're in today, which is constantly changing, um, you know how do you you know, Build a career, or you know, you talk about the lattice versus the ladder in the career, and you talk about determining one's market value. How do you organize yourself to try to, to try to find the direction you want to go in?
2: Sure. So, great, great point. And if I were to synthesize the Curvebender's book, I, I would I would lay it out this way. So, I think for every leader, as I mentioned earlier, take a much more proactive role in your journey from now to next. So what should your journey look like? Let's just take the next decade, right? Where would I want to be? What do I want to be doing? What What does that best version of me, what does that future version of me look like? If I understand that, you were kind enough to bring up a couple of key data points from the book. A, a really strong one seems to be this idea of a personal market value. And for your audience, Again, in my background, I spent uh, six years at a private equity firm, and we bought and sold 110 different companies. And I've observed specific uh, things companies do to increase their value, right? Think about they they acquire another company, they launch a new product, they go after a new market. Again, it made me think, why can't I do the same thing as an individual, So, if you understand your personal market value today, and there's a set of foundational rings, there's a set of what I call value accelerants, there's a set of growth enablers, you can actually track and really develop your own personal and professional market value through that growth. Kimberly, as you and I talked about, I believe your biggest enabler of that growth is actually going to be a portfolio of relationships. Mm -hmm. So, I created the seven steps to meeting those curve benders, who are they, where are they, how do you identify, nurture those. I look forward to our conversation around 15 forces. I think that's going to be really critical. And I don't know about you, I've read books that are fascinating, and then I'm scratching my head like, okay, what is, what do you I'm going to do with it now? And I didn't want to be one of those authors. So the last, the last chapter of the book is literally a, your personal kind of curve benders roadmap. And I identify very specific set of steps over the next decade that you can embrace, such as, we talked about some of this, aligning your personal and professional aspirations, designing effective sources of input. Uh, you know, Immersing yourself into this inquiry of what does that best version of me look like? Investing in something I call your relationship bank. Right? How do I really go deeper with fewer people that I want to build and nurture really authentic relationships with? And then ultimately, how do I capitalize on people that that look like curve benders? I think if you do those things, you're going to not only have a game plan, but you're going to be much more intentional, much more clear on that on that line of sight, into how do I get to that next version? How do mm-hmm. I get to that best version of me? Yeah
1: And, and you know that's great. And David, we're going to continue this conversation next week. So we are going to be touching on those fifteen forces, and we can touch back on these seven um, seven things to do next week. Um, and you know, for our listeners, I, I think that's great. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the show today. David, this is a, a great beginning, and I can't wait to co- continue the conversation. Um, so one last word, if you have one last word, to, something to say today for today's uh, podcast.
2: Yeah, I'm happy to. And, and I want to I wanna leave you and your audience, and, I, and, I, and I'm looking forward to our next conversation, but I want to leave you and your audience with this idea. Beyond your educational foundation. Beyond your professional pedigree, your biggest, single, biggest, only sustainable differentiator is your portfolio of relationships. So when this pandemic started, I, I created a list of my top 100 business relationships and I reached out to each of them. Kimberly, not to sell them anything, but to simply ask, how are you doing and what are you doing? And what are you hearing? And what are you seeing? And this is the time to double down on those relationships because that's what will sustain you. That's what's going to set you apart from other really competent, really capable individuals. Yeah,
1: Great, great words. um, You know, for... Preparation for our next week's show. Great ending words today, David. So much. This is thank you so much. This has been so super. And for our listeners, we have been taking talking to David Nor, and he's a senior leadership board advisor, educator, executive coach, and best-selling author. He is the author of 11 books, and we've been talking about today about curve benders, the newest one on Amazon, so please go to Amazon and download it. It is absolutely a fantastic book or buy the hard copy. And, David, we're going to continue this conversation next week. We're going to talk about some of the seven things you can do and the 15 forces, you know, affecting the future of work. And for our listeners, if you would like to get hold of David, you can get hold of him on www.norgroup.com, And he's on LinkedIn under David Noor on Twitter. And Noor is spelled N O U R and on Instagram and under the NOR group on Facebook. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and please tune in to us on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. specific time. And with that, David, thank you so much. I can't wait to talk to you again next week. And for our listeners, tune in again next week. Thank you.